Hi, Mom. Hi, Megs. Welcome back to our podcast, What's Your Take? We are a mother-daughter duo. And we're discussing all the things. Hi, Mom. Hi, Megs. So, did you know that it's been a year that we've been doing this? You know, Maggie... I do you not didn't. know, <laughs> but hey, happy anniversary! Yes, One year yes. anniversary, and I, I have to give, actually do it. I have to give all the credit to you, Maggie. You Maggie, are. I'm so proud of you because you, you are, are actually the driver of this whole podcast, and I just kind of show up. Yeah, when I'm well, told you to show, show up. up, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think I do a little. In the beginning, I felt like I did a lot more homework, and well, lately, you're pretty busy now. But lately, I think we're just a little kind of going with the flow of yeah. our the feeling, you know, of what's going on in the body. Yeah, we're more natural. Yeah, I think. I so think this we've episode today is going to be the start of our season two. Season two. So, um, I what have you been up to? Well, I've been super busy. I yes. just was on a Zoom call with Lego Education, okay. and Lego Education has developed Legos for children that addresses SEL, and in the counseling world, SEL stands for Social Emotional Learning. So I was oh. on the Zoom call. And I'd love it for teachers, counselors, anyone who's listening, if you're looking for a hands-on learning activity that will help the students feel better, it's yeah. about collaborative thinking, being creative, and then they have cute little Lego faces with different emotions. Oh. And so it's all about building yeah. with Lego. So I was doing that. I've been really busy with NCWIT and C4C. I've been really busy with Northern Vermont mm-hmm. because I'm starting next week and I cannot wait to meet my students. Yes, is it virtual it with is, COVID stuff? Yeah, it's going to be, I guess they call it remote. But we are going to be doing Zoom meetings and also it's called asynchronous, but synchronous, combination of both. Nice. Um, you got a new bike. I have a new vehicle. <laughs> it has two wheels and it has handlebars and brakes. And I have clip-on it's good. It has shoes. Brakes. <laughs> and I get to clip my shoes onto the pedal. That's scary. That is the most stressful part of biking. But I've yeah. been out this morning. I went for thirteen miles. Thirteen? Yep. I've been good. Because it's I went faster for 20. than our other one. It's just I go for about an hour. I get thirteen miles. Wow. Fifty-four minutes, actually, to be exact. <laughs> But I love it because especially working from home now, it's a nice outlet. Totally. How about you, Maggie? What have you been up to? Um, I have just been doing school. Yeah. Where are you doing school again? <laughs> Denver Ad School. Uh-huh. So I'm in my second D-A-D. quarter. Good. Um, you, it's been good. It's been busy. I bet busy, it. busy, busy. Juggling a lot. You what are you learning? Busy. What are you learning this week? I'm in a class for strategy, business strategy. Ooh. So I'm... Researching Crocs, the business oh, Crocs. Oh, yeah. I'm in a typography class, a lot of business what is typography? campaign development. Typography is like the type you see on, like, say, this bottle. Like font? Yeah, so font. But we're designing a newspaper, which Ooh. has been a struggle for me. But I won't talk about that on air. <laughs> um, well, our guest for today has experience in the print business when we were growing up as children. Oh, really? So, little... Little sneak peek to well, the guest do you want to talk about who our guest is today? Are we ready to do that now? Yeah. I mean, we can keep we'll, chatting. We'll keep chatting. Um, um, are, you been, are you reading it? Are you having time to read I it? I am reading that book you got me. What book? Um, What's it called? 13 Things 
mentally strong women don't do. What? You're like mouthing it as I say. <laughs> what What are your big takeaways? Anything that really uh, resonated still, with you? Like almost not even halfway through yet, but I just like it. Every chapter, there was one like they are a perfectionist. I don't have that issue. I don't think I'm much of a perfectionist. Maybe in some areas. In some areas, I think you are. Okay. Uh, yeah, I could see that. But then there was one that was like, don't compare yourself. So it talks about don't compare yourself to others on social media. Uh, yeah, that's it's really just a good, important. a little good book. What are you reading? I am reading, I go back and forth between two books oh. and one of them is called, I have a stack on my yeah. bedside that I just can't wait to get to. But, um, the one I'm reading now is called, let me pull it up. Women rowing North by Mary Piper and I love it because it she addresses the stages of life and navigating the currents um, and life and what I a big takeaway it sounds like this author's in her about her mid 70s yeah and I love this one piece where she stated that um, there was a research study done where and women and they found that women in their 60s and 70s mm-hmm. are the happiest that they've ever been in their entire life you were telling me that I know probably because they're just like whatever they've seen it whatever yeah and then the other one I'm reading I love also it's called A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozeki O-Z-E-K-I and it's sort of um, a journey um, cross-continental journey possibly different time periods I don't know yet that's why I'm only about halfway through but a wonderful read so if you're looking for a good read this summer I'd recommend either one of those awesome yeah Yeah, mine is good too um 13 things mentally strong women don't Don't do. do I love it I was reading it um at the park I'm in nanny twice a week three times a week yeah and one another nanny asked me what are you reading like I was reading a book. Oh, all the other nannies they all are like know. on their phone, and yeah. I'm like, I might as well. I just read a paper book. Sitting yeah, there. and it's good for Zane to like see me. I, it's actually read. it's really important for young children to see their parents and caregivers. Yeah, read, read print, and I know you read to him. Yeah, and I read to him I too. Know. I created like I created some videos to read to Zane. But I also, Zane so one time I was, or no, one time I was like, "Do you want me to read to you?" And he said, "No, you read your book." And he read his. Oh, how cute. So we were right next to each other oh, writing. I just I love, love him. He's great. Um, so why don't we introduce our guest? Okay. So well, this guest to start off season two. Season two. Is, Happy anniversary. His title, is, job title is TV producer in LA. I've known this person for... <laughs> Almost coming up to 57 years. Wow, you just gave away your age. <laughs> oh, well, what are you going to do? You look great. <laughs> I can't wait until I get 60 to 70 because I'm going to be even happier. <laughs> um, yes. And how have you known that? Well, our guest is my older brother. Oh. I'm one of six, and there are four girls, four women. Two men, two male, four female, whatever. However, we divide <laughs> And he's the oldest. He's the and oldest. He's tease you a lot. I hear. We're gonna. That's my number one question. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, so he used to work for. Well, still works for Good Morning America. Does freelance. Uh huh. But for twenty one years, he just worked for Good Morning America. Yeah. And he also does Good Morning Britain. But now he's a freelance TV producer in LA, or shall we say Hollywood? 
you can ask him. How do we so, say it? So, without further ado, let's, let's bring him on our oh, guest. we didn't say his name. Oh, do we? Okay. His name is Bill Cunningham. <laughs> Your main My name, name is yeah. Cunningham. So, he's Uncle Bill. Bill. really Cunningham no, anymore. Don't. So, Bill Cunningham. All right. He's actually Bill Cunningham the third because our Pops. father, pa- yeah. your grandfather, was Bill Cunningham the second, and his father was Bill Cunningham. I guess the first. I don't even know. If so you didn't want to name Max and Charles Bill? Well, they kinda... only, supposedly it's only the Bill. person. Whatever. Uh, so I don't, Bill doesn't even use the third. Yeah. But when he, growing up, I remember my our grandmother, who we called grandmother, she would refer to him as Bill Three. What's Your Take podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it is the easiest way to create a podcast. Plus, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it could be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That was, where's Bill 3? That's cute. Yeah, but he's Bill Cunningham. Oh, all right. Well, we hope you guys enjoy. We can't wait for him to call in. (laughs) Yeah, this is, we're doing a A virtual podcast. Well, it's an everything virtual now. Everything is virtual. All right. Let's get into it. Hi, Bill. How hello, are you? hello, Maureen and Maggie. Thank you, thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for coming on our podcast. We're so excited. I know. And Bill, this is a very special day. I don't know if you know this, but this is mine, mine and Maggie's one year anniversary of our podcast. Wow! And you are our special guest for to celebrate going into our second season. Yes, I'm honestly more shocked that we've kept it up for a year. To be honest, I feel like we. <laughs> Not that I didn't, um, like, believe in us, but it's a commitment. <laughs> it's a big commitment. And, Maggie, you are the driver of this podcast. I just sort of show up. And Maggie just leads it. She does everything. Hey, every driver needs a passion. Yeah, right? I'm the sidekick. <laughs> um, so I don't even know where to begin. Well, I, I just want to know, Bill, how are you doing? Doing great. Do you want to explain to your audience our, my relation to you two? We already did. Yeah, and she and my mom said that she's known you for almost fifty-seven years. Wow. And I said, you just gave away your age. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Bill, you're my older brother. I have an older brother and a younger brother, and you're the old. You're the oldest of the six of us. And I remember growing up, many many things. You as uh oh here we go. Let's just start right deep into it. No. Yeah. I I know Maggie mentioned in the intro that you're involved with TV production and you have been really ever since I've known you because my one of my memories maybe when I was a middle school age or teenage that you would stay up late and watch late night I don't know TV shows and I remember in the basement we had this area that was an unfinished part of the basement and you would write on the walls what were you doing writing on the walls do you remember writing on the walls basement (laughs) i I, I do remember that uh that era was when i was in college living at home and i worked on the local on the school newspaper and i remember that i guess the the only private phone in the house was the one there in the basement and so if i ran out of paper i would i would write on the wall 
Now, it's, it's not a plaster wall. It's, it's drywall. The drywall. Oh, yeah, I see. Dry, so it's, it's like the basement. That's not really seen by anybody else in the room unless you go in that part of the unfinished basement. Well, it, the un, that part of the unfinished basement had the washer and the dryer, and it also had the swing. Remember the swing? <laughs> I do, yes. And it, it, would, it would just like be maybe two inches off the floor, but we would swing in the basement. <laughs> Is this at your house that we saw in Alden, in Alden, New York? It's like all these childhood memories are just coming flooding yeah. back. <laughs> um, well, Maggie's working in, on a class right now at the Denver Ed. School, uh, school where I have to make a newspaper. And she's working on a newspaper. And I said, well, our guest, you, well, you have <laughs> early experience with newspaper development and publishing with the Neighborhood News. That's right. The Neighborhood News is a newspaper that I published from our basement. Uh, and our father, I think, would Xerox it at work. So there's more than one copy. Wow. And, and I would just go around, I guess... To neighbors and say, do you have any news? And then put it all on the newspaper, which is probably two pages. I still have a copy, by the way. You do? Um, yes. Someone found a copy uh, decades after that time, and so I still have a copy of that. Yeah. yeah. I, do you remember? I, I think one of the like the hot news items. One such one. Um, what do you call it? Uh, not episode. What's one issue. An issue. Yeah, yeah. Was like. Little Johnny lost his tooth. <laughs> right. It's like all the neighborhood tea. Like everyone's like, that's great. Yes. Or or someone fell off their bike. Yeah. Or big news. Big news if someone broke their arm or like. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you break your arm oh, when I you did? Were I broke twice? my arms. The same so you time. would have been the. I would have been the front page. Yeah. So um, Bill, I just want to know a little bit more about. Do you remember when you first? sort of got interested in media, production, anything like that general communication world? Yeah, I really think it was, as you mentioned, me watching TV in the basement. Because in in Buffalo, New York, unlike Colorado, where you are, in California, where I am, uh, kids, uh, I think, have a lot more distractions and things to do. Uh, They're not maybe cooped up in the house in the wintertime. So I would watch, as you mentioned, uh, late night TV shows, talk shows, and it just fascinated me. Yeah. So that's that's when it started in my childhood with the TV set. Yeah. And I thought, I thought, I wonder if I could do that. Oh. Not, be, not be on TV, but produce it. And then uh, when I went to college, I worked on the school newspaper at college and the school radio station, and I got a part-time job in my senior year uh, at a local radio station in Buffalo and then a TV station. So there, that really began everything, but I can credit it all to the TV set in the basement. Yeah, where we had three channels, maybe four if we count the public station as the fourth wow. one. It was like channels two, four, and seven, right? Or maybe channel 17, that was another one. No, you're right. It was two, four, seven, seventeen, and then 29. Oh, that's wow, right. Wow, you guys have just such a good memory. It's, it's coming back. This is weird. Um, weird. Hey, Bill, just talk about where did you go to college? How old were you when you started college? So I went to... Uh, <laughs> a Jesuit college in the city of Buffalo called Canisius College, yep. C-A-N-I-S-I-U-S. And I lived at home at the time because I was so young. 
I went my freshman year in college. I was 16 and I graduated when I was 20. Wow. And our father said that I would be living at home and not in their dorms. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was fine with me. Yeah. And so I would, I would drive from home to school every day uh, in Buffalo. The place we lived in, Alden, New York, was, was about 20 miles, is about 20 miles east of Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, 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 I didn't know any difference, and it was fun to me. Yeah. That's crazy. I remember 16 that. years old starting college. I know. Was it, um, like, people at your high school, did you just finish high school early, or did people at your high school tell you... Uh, the, high school I went, the high school I went to uh, condensed years, uh, regular high school years into three years. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, that school also had their, their version of a middle school. So I was nine years old when I entered that private school. And then they, they uh, accelerated classes. And so seven years later... I, I graduated from their version of what we'd all call high school. Yeah, wow. It was called Calisanctious, wasn't it? The name of the it was school? It called Calisanctious. Yep. And, and I'm pretty sure it no longer exists. Oh. Why yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> did you get I don't know. I, but it was a good experience oh. for you, though, because I think it got you, honestly, out of our small town of Alden where you needed to have it's more funny. stimulation, I think. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, all of our olden listeners. <laughs> all of our—I don't think we have a big demographic in Alden, so you're good there. You never know. Um, I know. Alden actually was a wonderful town to yeah, grow up in. Cute. It was really—you um, went back to see our childhood. Yeah, that home. was cool seeing the home. Yeah, Alden really actually I have really fond memories of Alden. All right, so actually, I don't know if you've told the story on your previous podcast. Have you ever told the story about when we did visit the old home? No. Would, no. You, would you tell it, Bill? Oh, yeah. Um, on the day that our father was buried, um, about six years ago, I think. I mean, yeah. five or six years 2014. ago. 2014. Yeah, that's crazy. And so um, yeah. we were already in Buffalo. Anyway, we had gathered from across the country to attend the funeral in Buffalo. And after the funeral service, we all said, let's drive by our home in Alden, which which is 20 miles east of Buffalo. So we did a caravan of maybe three or four cars, and we drove by, and there it was. It looked pretty good, too. Uh, And there were people standing in the driveway who were the owners, the new owners of the home. I don't know how long they lived in our home or when they bought it, but those were the owners. And so I got out of, we all parked, and I got out of the car and and I didn't, in a passive-aggressive way, I said, we used to live here, hinting, will you let us go in and look? Yeah. <laughs> hinting, I hope and, you cleaned your house. And, and uh, they offered. And I said, oh, we used to live here. We're the Cunninghams. And they said, would you like to come inside and look? And, of course, that's the answer we were looking for. Yeah. Uh, and so we all went inside and uh, wandered as politely as we could around and, uh, yeah, brought back lots of memories. Oh, that, it, looked a, it looked like it looked a lot smaller, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it was so much fun. That was a very special, a very spontaneous decision that we made. It was, you know, the end of sort of towards the end of that weekend. And um, I remember, so I don't think I was on Facebook at the time, but someone shared something with me that the people, the owners of the house, t- 
talked about how they had heard that our father had passed away earlier in the week and they were sitting on the front step of their porch and they raised a glass to William Cunningham because they bought the Cunningham house. And so when they've lived in that house, I think longer than we ever did, but... When people asked, which house do you live in in Alden? I think he's a dentist or was a dentist. They said that we live there. And they said, oh, that's the Cunningham house. So they kind of knew our house was yeah, the Cunningham house. Yeah, so when house. you said you were the Cunningham house. Oh, that was really kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, that was fun going uh, through. They were very nice. You're, you're right. He is a dentist. Uh, the husband and wife met us. Yeah. And they were very nice. Uh, they, they, sent, they found some things in the basement or somewhere that they sent me. Oh, did they? I forgot, I forgot what they were. Uh, nothing valuable, but like uh, knickknacks or whatever. And then I remember on the family email, someone said, I should ask them, is the swing there? <laughs> and so, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, the swing. Yeah. And so I emailed him back saying, ha, 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 uh, the family wants to know if the swing is there. <laughs> and they never replied to the email. Oh, uh, I quickly deleted that email. <laughs> What's that? Why? Where, where was the swing? Well, in the basement. Oh. Yeah. Well, I remember we were walking around the house, and then, Mom, you were, like, outside in the backyard. You're like, oh, this is where I got in trouble for playing with fire in the woods. <laughs> and you're, like, pointing out all of your, like, we're like, well, she was a little bit of a rebel. <laughs> you're like, this is where I, no, and then you snuck in one night and then scratched at Aunt Annie's door, and she was so scared or something. I don't know. You were, like, reenacting everything. It was quite funny. That was fun. Well, we wanted to hear kind of how you're doing overall. You're in um, California. You're, you're in Glendale, which is kind of near Burbank, right? For, I'm not, you know, quite familiar with the L.A., but you're close yes, to Glendale. L.A. Yeah. yeah, Glendale is next to Burbank, and it's all part of the uh, Los Angeles area. Yeah. Now, uh, when I visited you a few years ago, I was for, there for a college counselor tour. You were you showed me this out, beautiful outdoor pool where you would swim every morning. Are you swimming is the pool open are you still able to do that what's happening um, yes it's called the uh, the rose bowl aquatic center yeah. oh. it's in Pas- it's in pasadena your listeners can look up on their website rose bowl aquatic center and it really is from what i hear and experience the nicest public swimming facility really in the whole la area there are lots of pools and there are lots of big colleges that have pools as far as a place that someone can go swim and it costs money to go it really is nice two outdoor pools olympic size side by side in the year 2000 i think when the olympics were in sydney australia they let the u.s olympic swim team uh, work out there for oh. two weeks on their way to Australia and we we swimmers couldn't swim when they were there but we could look at them watch them oh. through a fence and, and that was pretty thrilling for us oh. uh, but to answer your question they closed down in March because of the virus yeah. and they just reopened oh. um, less than a month ago uh, but while they were closed um, there's a public pool in Glendale where I live that's very close to my home, and now I go there every day. Oh, good! Uh, and for some, for someone my age, it costs me just a dollar. Oh, wow, that's and great! I, yeah, I get there in ten minutes, and so that's where I swim every day. Oh, good! Yeah. Well, wow. So during this time of COVID and the virus, I'm just wondering, you know, what have you been? I guess my have you found anything 
that has been positive that's happened for you personally with this period time period that we've all been thrown into with this virus? Is there any, have you seen any good for yourself or those around you that think, well, maybe this, this isn't such a bad thing after all, that this is happening that we're forced to be in this situation? Uh, that's a good question. Um, obviously, the virus is a terrible thing, and Horrible. I think there's 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 no end in sight, uh, anytime anytime soon. But I think I don't know if it's the same with you or your listeners. I have found that since we are so-called quarantined, staying at home much of the time, that you learn to entertain and yourself and stay active. Yeah. So um, I would and still do go outside every day and walk for two miles and oh. then go to the Glendale pool to swim. And so that keeps your brain healthy and, and happy. And also when you walk any, anywhere, any neighborhood, anywhere in the country, depending on the neighborhood, you meet people who are in the same situation, yeah. walking their dogs, wearing their masks. And so you chat with them. And so I've met lots of people oh. that I never would have if I didn't walk. Oh. And, and so that that's a positive thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a horrible virus and a horrible situation. Our whole world is in right now. Yeah. But I remember you said you found a horse stable or something nearby that you never even knew existed. That's right. Um, so in venturing out different directions, I walked a couple of times two miles one way from my home to the Los Angeles River. The river um, runs along a freeway, and so I said, uh, I'll, I'll walk out to the river, and I did, and uh, it's quite a sight. I mean, there are homeless people living in tents yeah. along the river, uh, which is a sad sight. Yeah. Uh, and then walking along the river, I looked over and I saw uh, huge horse stables that um, people keep their horses in. I think it's pretty pricey. It's pretty expensive, uh, but for people wealthy enough to own horses they keep them there uh and there's no way you would drive by there by accident uh -huh. and see and see that the stables existed uh, uh only by walking or having or knowing they exist would you even know that was there so wow. that's one advantage of walking and that is you discover things so close to home that you never would have done without walking yeah yeah it's it's uh, force everyone to slow down a little, you know, yeah. there's busy culture and yeah, people go, go, go. So I think it's been a reset for a lot of people just to think about what's most important in their lives and the people in their lives and kind of like a slowing down a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. And of course we all being quarantined at home are quite thankful for Netflix. <laughs> yes. We love Very Netflix. Grateful. Another, Another, Netflix, HBO. Yeah. All now, those. I do. I've been on a, little, a lot of zoom meetings since quarantine. Are you doing a lot of zoom meetings and things like that nature? Um, and I, I know a lot of people are. I personally am not, but I know it's it's very very common. Yeah, uh, I'm sure across the country. Yeah. So um, yeah, th that's I'm sure they're doing. I'm sure that business is doing very well. Because yeah. Of the yeah. And so is uh, obviously food delivery businesses. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> food and, delivery. Uh, and streaming. Yeah. Uh, HBO, Netflix, all those are doing quite well. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, were you going to ask a no. question? So we talked about, you know, where you went to college and that 
and how you originally had the interest in doing what you're doing. But what, um, after college, you know, what did you do? What were the next steps to get to where you are today? Um, to make a long story short, uh, so in my senior year in college, while I went to school, I would work part-time at uh, a Buffalo radio station, WGR. Uh, and it, sound, it may sound glamorous, but my job was at 2 o'clock in the morning to write news copy for the disc jockey to read. But I loved it. Oh. I loved it. Uh, and then I uh, uh, did a part-time job also at um, the local ABC affiliate, uh, WKBW Channel 7. Oh, yeah. And I was the, the weekend assignment editor. So those were part-time jobs. And then I was I was very fortunate in that once uh, I graduated, someone at that TV station in Buffalo taught me how to produce the news, the 12 o'clock noon news. And in, in my business, it's very common to bounce around. People don't stay in a long time. At TV stations. So um, I spent about a year in Buffalo, and then I got a job uh, in Denver, where you live, in Denver, Colorado, at Channel 9. Uh-huh. Shout out. Uh-huh. I, pro- I produced the, the noon and the weekend news there. Oh. Uh, and to show how in any business, networking and staying in touch with people can pay off, uh, I got that Denver job because a former anchor woman in Buffalo had moved to Denver and recommended me. Oh. So that was, that was that end. And then a former boss in Buffalo became the news director at the CBS station in Boston. And he called me in Denver and said, you want to work in Boston and produce the six o'clock news? And I said, sure. Uh, so I moved to Boston after less than a year in Denver and did that in Boston. But I always dreamed of California. Uh-huh. And so after, after about a year in Boston, I put a tape of the newscast that I produced um, in the mail to a TV station in San Francisco looking for a producer. Uh, that was the NBC station, K-R-O-N. And um, I got a job there, worked there, and uh, it was a great experience. But I felt at, in my early 20s, I don't know if you feel this way about Denver Maggie. But in my early 20s, I felt I was too young to enjoy the beauty (laughs) of San Francisco. I needed needed more, I don't know what the word would be, uh, more action. Mm. Uh, And so a former boss of mine uh, was running a news department in Chicago, WLS Channel 7. And there's an opening there for the four o'clock news producer. So I took that job, and as a quick aside, it was a very well-run station. It still is. It, it, it was, it's number one in the ratings. Every Chicagoan watches Channel 7 in Chicago. Oh. But it was, so, it was so long ago that the general manager had just hired a new talk show host from Baltimore, and the ratings did very well right away for this new talk show host. So he tried, he tried an experiment. He wanted to see if the ratings on the news I produced at 4 o'clock in the afternoon each day would go up if this talk show host was one of the news anchors. And so he tried it for a few weeks. And so I worked with her. She was a co-anchor. And I said to her, how do you pronounce your name? She said, it's Oprah. Oprah. Oh, oh, my God. No way. 
Yeah. Oprah was the with news anchor. How for, do you pronounce your name? How do you pronounce and it happens to be Oprah? <laughs> Oprah. Oprah. Uh, so she was she was the female co anchor as an experiment for a wow. couple of weeks. And um, the ratings didn't skyrocket. They did very well with her. But I think they realized then, yeah, her calling is the talk show hostess. Wow. And, and that was before it was national. It was just AM Chicago, only seen in Chicago. And it did so well so quickly that it soon after went national. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. And then to finish the, the story, uh, I worked there for about a year. And then I went to a competing station in Chicago. Channel 5 WMAQ for two years. But no matter where I lived, I would only and always vacation in Los Angeles. I knew Los Angeles was for me. Oh, and, oh, cool. and finally, in my, uh, in my late 20s, I quit my job in Chicago, moved to L.A., and then worked here. And you've been there ever since in your late 20s. I can't believe it. Yeah. yeah what here did you – oh, sorry. I've been here now, uh, the, the summer of 86 is when I moved out here, three, four years. Wow. What did you like about L.A.? Like, what attracted you towards, because it's probably very different than it is now. I don't know. Maybe it's. It's, um, well, what I still like about L.A., and I, and I knew it then, and, and it's still true, uh, first of all, is the weather. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all grew, we grew, all grew up in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> Say no more. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I, I tell people here when they when they say Buffalo, they say, "Oh, it's so cold." And I said, "Actually, Chicago is colder." Yeah. I said, "But Buffalo has more snow." But I tell them the story about the blizzard of 1977. That was our biggest blizzard in Buffalo. We were all kids then, and it was so so much snow that you could walk up a snow hill that was created by the wind, not snow plows. And the hill was so high, you could touch traffic lights. Well, that's crazy. I remember we were without electricity for three days. And, you know, Bill and I, we have, you know, we're one of, you know, we have six children in our family. Yeah. And I recall... Our father just happened to be in Florida during that blizzard. Do you remember that, Bill? remember that. No. Her mom had a house with, with six, six kids, kids and no electricity. And no electricity during the blizzard of seven because Pops had some, you know, he, he would sometimes go to Florida for, well, I don't know. He must have been watching the weather. <laughs> no wonder man is in Florida now. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Wow, okay. So, so, so LA's weather, of course, I think is the is the main attraction to everyone who moves here from another part of the world. Uh, but also, um, in my business, the media, it really is the center of the universe. And so fortunately, a city that I love living in also happens to provide job opportunities. And so, and so it all worked out. But, uh, but I never take it for granted. Uh, I, would, I, I believe I would never move to anywhere else in the country uh, so LA really is home for me. Oh, by nice. Now. Oh, that's great. Right. I like that. Uh-huh. Um, so then in LA, is that how you started working for good morning America? Or was that uh, in Chicago? Oh, uh, no, uh, there was no Chicago connection. In fact, here's another example of networking and staying in touch can pay off in ways you can never predict. So I was in LA looking for work and I called up, the general manager 
of the Buffalo TV station where I first worked, he, he, he remembered me, but I didn't really have you know, much to do with him because I was decades younger than him when I was in Buffalo and he ran the whole TV station there. His name is Phil Buth. He lives in Florida now. And when I called up, he said, oh, great timing. And I said, why is that? He said, because we at Good Morning, he said, I've been promoted from the head of the Buffalo TV station to the vice president of early morning programming at the ABC television network. I'm in charge of Good Morning America. Wow. He just got he just got the job. And he said, and it just so happens we're now looking for an L.A. producer for Good Morning America. Wow. Yeah. Talk about um, being in the right place at the right time. Right. Well, networking. And networking, yeah. but yeah. That's crazy. Right. So uh, you can't predict in any business, really, but especially in the media, because everybody moves around yeah. all the time. you gotta, you got to stay in touch. Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, Maggie, our tagline for this episode should be networking. <laughs> but anyway, back to uh, how important it is. And um, also, Bill, I mean, L.A., you know, we all picture L.A. with Hollywood and movie stars and celebrities. And I know you're on the, the production side and behind the camera, behind the scenes. But I know you've done some interviews as well. Um, I'm just wondering... If there's ever been a favorite interview you've ever had that you just loved the way it, the the person or the experience or way it, it you know turned out, do you, does there one is there one that comes to mind? Um, well, all, all the comedians who were interviewed by uh, for Good Morning America, they were all great because. When you're on Good Morning America, you're pretty much at the top of your game. Uh, you're, you're a pro in your season. So so it'd be almost like a private comedy oh, that's great. concert because they'd make you laugh. They were all good. Um, and th- th- they were all very good. I had a couple of interesting experiences where Good Morning America would assign a celebrity to be the reporter for a special segment. Uh-huh. And um, one day, Good Michael called me in LA and said, we need you to fly to Chicago because Princess Diana is visiting Chicago. Wow. This was, I think, a, about a year before her death, oh. very, very before that. And I said, okay, who's the reporter? And they said, the reporter will be comedian Joan Rivers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to produce Joan Rivers interviewing Princess Diana or something like that. And I said, okay. So when we arrived in Chicago, Good Morning America said, bad news, we can't get credentials to the event Princess Diana is attending, but we still want a story. So I told Joan Rivers this, and she said, not a problem. She said, here's what we're going to do. And we did it. Bring your camera crew onto a city bus in Chicago. I'll wear my evening gown, she told me, (laughs) and we'll interview with the camera rolling people who are riding the bus normally to go to work or whatever. And we did. And she would ask them saying, she would ask them saying, what's better, the Bears or Princess Diana? And of course, it was all very funny. Uh, But Uh, obviously, you know, she was a genius at comedy and she knew how to take uh, something that on the surface looked like it was falling apart and make it make it even better better i wonder if that clip is somewhere i know uh, oh, it was, be so it was a long time ago it was, it was well, 
I know you're in the business where you probably meet with some challenging situations and personalities, and I know you, of course, would never want to say any mention any names. But what's it? It must be. It must be really fascinating to to see. And maybe there are none, <laughs> but maybe there are some. And I know I've heard about some in the news recently <laughs> that have been having some negative press. <laughs> she's, trying, she's trying not to mention Ellen. But, yeah. but what's your take Ellen. on all that? What's your take? Welcome well, to our podcast. What's your take on what's Ellen? What's your take on all that? So anybody, anybody who reads the websites uh, and, and certain newspapers know that Ellen who uh, I guess promotes on her show to be kind. Uh, she's getting a lot of flack because yeah. her, her staff apparently is mean to other staffers. Oh. Uh, so it, the rest of the world, I guess, doesn't care. And most of the country, except for Ellen's fans, probably shouldn't care. But in Hollywood, it's a big deal yeah. because not only is Ellen considered the top syndicated daytime talk show these days. She, she's almost like the new Oprah as far as success. Yeah, yeah. But what people don't realize is that even though when you watch the Ellen show, it's her and a guest, or a couple of guests, that's a company, that's a business with dozens or hundreds of people. Yeah. So if ever, if ever the show or any talk show is in trouble and gets canceled, I don't think she'll be canceled, but it's canceled, you're affecting the livelihoods of many behind the scenes people with mortgages and yeah. kids in college who, yeah. who rely on that very hefty salary, some of them, yeah. to to uh, to work in LA. So that's why it sounds like gossip, and it is, but here in LA it's really news because it's look what could happen to this business that happens to be called the Ellen Show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge uh Corporation, almost. I think. Now. I think I saw on Twitter she made a she put out a statement of some sort. Then I and I honestly it was late at night, so I was skimming through it. <laughs> and I love Ellen. I think she's so funny. Obviously, yeah. But I think it was a, sort of apologizing for and and being reflective and and wanting to look into what could be happening in her business. Is that kind of what your recollection yeah. is of what she yeah, put out? That's true. With all the flack, uh, she issued a statement saying you know, that things will change and it's her responsibility because she's the leader of the show. I think she said she was unaware of, of the bad behavior, but she said, in effect, it's my job to know what goes on. Hmm. And, and she'll, she'll correct it and all will be well. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I know you were fishing for a story about um, <laughs> me, me being embarrassed in front of celebrities. I'm sure oh. if you like yes. that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. um, so to protect their identities, I won't give the names. Okay. But I'll tell you how, even though covering show business may sound glamorous, and it can be, uh, there's a lot of pressure and your job is to get a good interview and good sound bites, uh, and that's the most important thing. So one day, I interviewed one of the stars of a primetime TV show, and of course, they don't know who I am. I'm just a stranger to them, but I was the interviewer off camera. I'm never on camera. There was no reporter. It was me asking the questions. I thought to myself, how can I bond? How can I break the ice with this person? And so during the questioning, 
she was she's married to a director, a movie director. And so during the questioning, I thought, I know, I know what I'll say. And so I said to her, you know, I went to a seminar recently and your husband, the director, was on stage with other directors. And he was very impressive, very well spoken. And I saw you there in the front row at your husband's seminar. And I said, and it was it was a great experience. I said I was telling the camera crew here what a power couple you are. You know, both of you are so successful and well-known and uh, what an amazing Hollywood power couple. And she just stared at me and she wouldn't and didn't say anything. And so I went on the next question and the interview was then ended and she left the room and someone told me, didn't you read the newspapers? They just got divorced. (laughs) (laughs) And that was was a lesson to me and anyone. Number, Number one, Stars don't need friends. They don't need you to break the ice. And number two, do your research. Yeah. You know, I, I could have and should have that morning of the interview just Googled her name to see what's news with her lately. And if I would have done that, I would have seen that they divorced. Yeah. Uh, wow. So so that, that that's a, a hard lesson I learned and never repeated again. No. Well, you learn, you know, and isn't, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing because we all make mistakes. We yeah. all have stories that we're like, oh, we all put our foot in our mouth. Turn the clock back. And, you know, someone with all your years of experience and obviously so highly qualified, yeah, mistakes are going to happen. And then just, yeah. but, you know, survived it and moved on. That whole growth right. mindset model that <laughs> that we follow. Um, wow, that's so. I I don't know. I'm wondering a, a lot of things. Like, I really first of all, this is a wonderful way to capture your the history of your career, Bill. I just love this because some of these things that happened in your life, I was not aware of, frankly. <laughs> or I, was, busy, I was busy in college or doing some other things. So this is just a wonderful, you know, um, capturing everything. And I just wanted to know if what has happened lately. I think you're, I know you're still with Good Morning America, but now you do some uh, freelance work, I understand. And have you seen anything... Since you've entered the business, what's changed in the showbiz world? That, if you can think back and turn that clock back and think back to what it was like when you first started, is there anything different? And um, yeah, since I've been here for in thirty four years, for thirty four years, um, a lot has changed. Uh, not only in Los Angeles but around the world, and probably social media and the and the outlets to communicate. Wow. You know, I, I, I tell young people um, uh, not not to bore them with uh, in, the, in the in the old days stories, but in the old days, as you mentioned, we only had five TV channels, and three of them were like network channels. It was such a long time ago that not only was there no internet? There was no cable TV. That, that, that's how long ago it was. Yeah. And so, and so when you look now, what's going on in the world, and it changes constantly. You know, um, from TikTok to now uh, to uh, to Facebook and all these things. Someone, as you know, can become a celebrity. Can can become a Hollywood star by just having that venue the social media outlet yeah, and they can become rich and famous with not only 
no talent, but no craft. No. They don't sing. They don't dance. They don't act. Yeah. They're just, they, they just know how to work the system yeah. and to be famous. So that's how show business has changed. Mm. Also, because of that, and the, the, tabloids, the tabloids have been around for a long, long time. But I think that people in show business have to be very careful uh, about what they say and their behavior. I mean, there, there was no Me Too movement two years ago. No. Yeah. And, and now we're, we're reading here in L.A. about executives whose names we don't even know who are losing their jobs because of their poor behavior. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's the major, those are the major show business changes. Yeah. Totally. And that's not a, that's obviously not a bad thing. You know, they, being aware that they're not, um, they're not, what's the word, insulated from bad right. press. Yeah. And, and also with, you know, with cell phones, people can take pictures anywhere or record yeah. and it's, it's hard. Proof. Yeah. Um, I have a quick question. Um, how has your discipline played a factor in your success? My, my personal, personal discipline? Yeah, personal discipline. Yeah. Um, well, depending on who you work for and what you do, uh, there's, there's a lot of pressure in every avenue of show business. It may look like glamorous, it may look glamorous and you're going to Hollywood parties, uh, but you're just not. Uh, and also when it comes to like shows like Good Morning America, and I also work freelance for Good Morning Britain, a London talk show, mm-hmm. you, never, you never know when they're going to call and say, can you cover the earthquake or can you cover something that has just happened? You've got to be already sharp and smart and well and well read. Um, even when I'm not working, I will read a handful of websites every single day to make sure uh, I know what's going on. There was a time a few years ago, um, one weekend I was working for Good Morning Britain in the LA office, and London, the London office of Good Morning Britain, called me. I think at five thirty in the morning, and said, "Oh, you're awake." And they said it in a, in a British accent, of course. <laughs> Uh, do, the, do the British accent. Right? <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Uh, and they said, um, oh, we're glad you're awake. Can you get on a plane with a reporter there in L.A. and fly to Orlando, Florida now because there's been a nightclub massacre? Uh, and it was the infamous one yeah. where the people were going to the nightclub. Uh-huh. And so that's an example. And of course, uh, I would always say yes, but also since I was on duty that day, I have to say yes. Yeah. And so, so you want to make sure that that's not a chore for you, that, that racing around, getting to the airport, flying across the country and being live with your reporter on that same night from Florida to London, that you're alert and sharp and hopefully you've read the papers enough that you, you got an idea of what's going on. Yeah. So, so it does make you, it makes me at least more disciplined knowing in a strange way, you never know what's next. Yeah, totally. And saying yes. And also you're just saying, obviously you love your work because it's, it wouldn't be a chore. Maybe aspects of it are yeah. difficult, like navigating through the airport or whatever, you know, but overall you love the work that you do. So right. it's not yeah. work. 
Yeah, very true. Very true. We all have to love what we do. Uh, otherwise, it's just not worth doing. Yeah, totally. Um, so, growing up, Bill, <laughs> let's get down to the nitty gritty. You're <laughs> <No. laughs> like, why did you tease me? No. You did tease me a lot, but we'll save that for another session. That's, that's <laughs> the role of an older brother. Why did you tease me? But um, <laughs> actually, actually, let's address that now. Uh, <laughs> Rip the band aid off. Today, today, when I was swimming at the public pool in Glendale, I told a lifeguard I was doing this podcast today. Mm-hmm. And I said, and my sister's going to ask me why I teased her. <laughs> and, and he said, he said, and, and what are you going to say? And I said, I'm going to tell her, number one, I don't remember teasing you. Oh, right. <laughs> you, may have, you may have mistaken me for someone else. But, but hypothetically, let's just suppose that I did once or twice tease you. It was to prepare you for the real world later. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Good funny. answer. Oh, and, 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 and Maureen, you have to admit, well, you, you, you admit whatever you want, but in a roundabout way, have you ever encountered in your work life, or even at home, someone teasing you where the, your brain cells clicked in and thought, oh, that... That's how I handled Bill decades ago. Now I know what to say back. Yeah. Uh, what clicks in are the tears flooding from our oh. eyes. <laughs> now, now we just all But you know what? When people and people, t- I think the laughing at oneself or laughing at situation, or I am someone that I think we all tease, right? I, I and, get teased. And yeah. it, there, it's a level of love. And I know it's because <laughs> you have a deep love for me. And so people right. tease me. Well, you can take I know it. they love me. Right? I, I feel I have a personality that people tease yeah. too. And I'm like, okay. Well, thank you for preparing me for those hard, and also for the love. <laughs> and we all just tease her, yeah. the boys especially. But um, I just, I also think, I just wonder you I know you've spent some time with Max when he was in LA and I appreciate so much you spending time with Maggie and you know sharing your life experiences and wisdom and you know kind of you've already touched on many things of what advice you you have given already in this podcast but are there are there any regrets like things thinking back when you were younger like oh, I really wish I would have done this or I really wish I would have majored in this or I really wish I would have gone here like things that you think oh, I, I wish I had done that does that ever come up um, no uh, I think I, I lived a, a strange 20 something life and career anyway where I, where I moved around uh, when I my, when my gut told me now it's time to move, yeah. So so I never thought, oh no, I'm stuck. Okay, good. Yep. I, I just moved on. But when when the when the few twenty somethings I meet ask me for advice, I'm sure their parents don't want to hear this. But I tell them in your twenties, make lots of mistakes, do lots of stupid things because. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It'll never, it'll never matter. Yeah. When you're when you're in your late thirties and certainly forties, fifties, sixties, you won't even remember what you did in your twenties. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the time to experiment and to try different things, even if it turns out to be the wrong thing, uh, because you you never want to regret like the question you just posed. You never want to regret 
oh, if only I did that. Yeah. You want to be able to say, yeah, in my 20s, I was wild, but I'm glad I experienced it all. Yeah. Do you feel that way, Mom? Maggie, you were wild. I just took the earmuffs off of Maggie's ears. <laughs> That's why Max is like, no, but when Max went to out to LA a while ago, this um, a few months ago, I was. That's something I, I really. He had that on his list to just go, and he has some friends who are there, and he knew you were there, and I'm really glad he did that, and he may be back. You may see him again. Um, yeah. So. Uh, we, you know, in the counseling world, we always talk about our flow. And oh, what, yes. what is is there? What is it that you're doing that you enjoy doing, like a hobby? And I, I know you have some hobbies in the walking, but is there something that you just love to do when you lose sort of all sense of time that well, makes you like happy? Like when you're in a zone or something. Yeah, like um, the flow or the swimming. zone. I think I think swimming does it. Oh yeah. Um, and also, uh, I, I sometimes walk uh, neighbors' dogs, Ooh. which which is its own zone in itself. Because we, as kids growing up in Buffalo, we never had dogs. I know. In fact, I tell people the story, and they always laugh that when we asked our father for a dog, he said, "No, we have enough animals already." <laughs> That's why when we got our dog. Mom was so taken it well as a surprise, first of all, which didn't go well. But she was doesn't even like still to this day, she doesn't even know how to like pet dogs. <laughs> I don't know how to pet Remember in <laughs> one day in with the high schoolers you said does anyone um, raise your hand if petting a dog stresses anyone out? And you were the only one that raised your hand. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's good you're taking yeah, dogs. I think that's well. great. You're offering obviously a wonderful, you know, a service to others yeah. who can't get out and walk their dogs. But also, it's so good for for you to do that as well. I love it. That's cool. How many yeah. dogs do you walk at a time? Yeah. Um, the most is two. Okay. Uh, two dogs and it's fun because the two dogs live in a condominium in North Hollywood which is a fine place to live but North Hollywood their building borders a very expensive neighborhood called Toluca Lake it's in part of LA and so I'll always take the dogs through the expensive neighborhoods uh-huh. and me playing the dumb dog walker <laughs> I'll, I'll ask neighbors Hey, any stars live around here? And 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 they always tell me. So I know I know now where some celebrities live. Oh, tell us. No. Thanks for walking. Well, yeah. Like who who are some of them? So on one corner, we won't reveal the street name because I'm sure your listeners will start to drive there. On one corner, side by side, are four homes. One is Steve Carell's home. Next door to him building as we speak is the have you heard of the Australian singer Sia? Sia. We, I know Sia. Yeah, Sia. She's building a home next to his. Next to her home is a property owned by P. Diddy. Oh. And then next to his house I'm not sure he lives there. There's, there's nobody I never see signs of life there but every neighbor says yes he owns that home. And next to his house is I believe the son of Bob Marley, Ziggy Marley. Oh yeah. And so uh, there's four houses in a row. And wow, what a, what a neighborhood. Yeah. And you never, you never see like 
star buses or even mm. tourists yeah. driving by and gawking, which I'm sure they're very thankful for. Yeah, totally. Um, whereas if you, if you go to Hollywood, for example, it's so easy to get in a, on a tour bus, you pay money, and they'll show you and yell out over a speaker, over yeah. a megaphone, <laughs> where everyone lives. Yeah. I'm sure celebs love that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so that's anyway, great. That's one example uh, of living in L.A. and being in, I guess you call it, the dog-walking flow. I'm not dog-walking <laughs> Would it. you ever get a dog yourself? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Cunningham in you guys. Yeah, that's the Cunningham. Yeah, yeah we, we were raised that way. So. Yeah. Thankfully, our dog, Gabby, is more like a cat, yeah. so that worked out for you, Mom. Yeah. Well, when this, um, all of our quarantining and when restrictions lift, is there a place you, I know you have some favorite spots around the world that you sometimes go and visit a vacation is there a place on your list that you'd like to go to once you're able to travel uh, for several years and i recommend it if you haven't been there already uh, barcelona spain is a great place mm. to visit oh that's on my bucket list yeah it's great um and then uh, i've been a couple the past couple of years once a year to uh, rio de janeiro brazil Ooh. Uh, which is uh so beautiful you see it in the movies, and it's really an amazing-looking city. But you can go online and read that there's constant crime there. The crime is bad. And the mm. virus is just as bad there as it is here. Uh, in fact, at one point, for a couple, couple of months, Brazil did not allow foreign travelers into their country at all. Uh, they just lifted oh. that ban a few weeks ago, and now you can fly in. But for some, but you can't go by boat or by car into Brazil while they uh, suffer through their virus. Yeah. But when there's no virus, um, those are two great places I recommend. And you might go back once you can. Oh, yeah, I will. Yeah. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah. Well, feel wow. free to, you know, invite us. <laughs> and besides Denver, Colorado, of yeah, course, but yeah. you were here just last year. Yeah, so you came we'll let you, you know, um, give yourself a graduation. That was yeah. fun. We had a fun time there. That was a lot of fun. Um, I lived there for one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Denver Nine News is what I always go on to right away. Our Governor Polis, he's amazing. He's had a huge presence in front of all of us every since the beginning. Like every other yeah, day, I good. would go on and watch, you know, his sort of tracking what was happening in our state, in our community. Um, wow. Well, this was great. This was a special anniversary podcast. <laughs> They're going to hope your ratings go up. Oh, they know. And just to clarify to our listening audience, at least in my defense, <laughs> and more than you can disagree if you disagree, my teasing was and still is never cruel. No. It always, teasing is always best when you, when you, the teaser, make yourself look like the fool. No, it's true. Wow, yeah, that's... Yeah. Nice I remember that. <laughs> Maybe that's something you developed when you left Buffalo. <laughs> Anything you, you want to share with our listeners, Bill? You've been such an amazing interviewee and really amazing. fun. You're on the other side of it yeah, now. So you're you're on the other side of the microphone. And right. we're both great, you're both great interviewers. Thank you for inviting me. And I believe um, I understand correctly that you are the only mother and daughter podcast that you know of. Oh, I think so. Uh, I mean, I haven't really researched 
I think I like that. We are the only one. I know there's a new TikTok star that came out with one with her mom, but it's not going to be oh, as successful. TikTok yes. is so like, she copied overrated. me. Yeah. <laughs> the now Maggie and Maggie's um, high school friend developed the graphic design for yes. our podcast, so it's been really fun. I know. And Maggie has moved out of the house, so it's my excuse to come over and visit her in her cool apartment with her roommate Claire. So yeah, it's really I know. good. It's a good experience for all of us. Well, you're both very good at your jobs. Oh, oh, thank, thank you, you, Bill. You that are was, too. Yes. Everyone's just patting each other on the back to make up for the teasing. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We'll leave your website in the description. Oh, yes. Uh, Did you get some details? Do you want to shout out your website now? Uh, sure. Uh, BillCunningham.biz. So www.BillCunningham, all one word. B-I-Z. B-I-Z. Check it out, listeners. That'll yes. be great. Yeah. All right, Bill. I think the dogs are barking. I think they want to go for a walk. <laughs> Once again, the teasing. <laughs> See, I was like a fool there when I was doing it. So, yeah, it's right on. <laughs> okay, have a good day. All right, thanks, Bill. Bye. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Okay, that's the episode. Thank you all for listening. Follow us on Instagram at What's Your Take Pod or my personal at Maggie May Stewart. Again, a huge thank you to Bill for being on our podcast. If you have a guest in mind or someone that you think would be great on our podcast, just send us a DM and we'll try to set that up. We want to have a lot of guests this season on our podcast because that is the type of episodes people seem to like. So, yeah, we would love to hear um, any recommendations if you guys have for guests to have on. Thank you again for listening. Um, until we meet again. <laughs> Bye.